Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Good morning. On today's episode of MLB Mondays with a Blue Jays perspective, uh, Scott and I argue about Shohei Otani and the chances he actually comes to Toronto. Uh, we answer a listener question about Juan Soto and the package together that we would put together uh, that we'd be willing to spend to bring him to Toronto. Uh, revelations that George Springer may be on the move. Uh, we're going to talk the contemporary Hall of Fame ballot and Cito Gaston, uh, whether or not he got in. We're going to break down the Mariners-Braves trade with Jared Kalenic. Uh, and then we're going to talk the Brewers' top prospect, Jackson Chirio, signing the long-term deal. Uh, was it a good deal? Who won that? Uh, what would the Blue Jays do in a similar situation? All that fun stuff. So that is uh, what's coming up. We didn't get an episode out on Friday. I had a migraine, and Scott and I just couldn't make it work on Saturday. So normally, MLB Mondays is a Patreon exclusive. We do this every single Monday. Uh, but we're going to release it to you guys uh, just as an apology for missing last Friday. So here you go. This one's for everyone. Uh, if you enjoy this sort of thing and Scott and I talking more non blue Jays specific baseball stuff, uh, there's all this and more on the Patreon, patreon.com slash the walkoff podcast. Uh, cheers and enjoy the show. Mr. Belford. Oh, is that a new blue Jays t-shirt? I see you wearing. He can't hear me yet. He's still connecting to audio. Is it an off-white hat or is it a yellowish warm light bulb? Looks like a green brim, but I can't tell from here. Mr. Belford. Is he texting me? Is he still finishing a text? What's the answer? What's going on here? He's got to join with audio. Connected with audio. Sorry, pal. I was That's just responding to uh, Keegan Matheson is going to join us next week. So oh, name dropping, better. right? Name Matheson. drop right off the top. <laughs> uh, two questions <laughs> for our Patreon. <laughs> two questions off the top. Uh, is your hat off white or is it just the light that's in there? Oh, yeah. It's uh, kind of a yellow, a yellow uh, bird. Green, green brim. Is it green? I'm going to fix something here. Is this green? You can't hear me now. I've lost you. No, I can hear you. Now okay. I'm in my headphones instead of oh. just. Ah, right. Does it sound better or no? <laughs> I'm, I'm tone like... deaf and I couldn't carry a tune with a bucket, my friend. Um, I see you're wearing a new Blue Jays t-shirt, which is very nice. Oh, baby. Until the news drops, this shirt does not leave my back. I mean, I'm not showering with it and stuff. I'm. Not completely ridiculous, but but out of the shower, towel off, put it back on. Right, that's right, right back on. All right, uh, Keegan, when's Keegan joining us? Um, he's gonna let me know Monday oh, or I'm, Wednesday next. I'm week. busy that day. Sorry, man. Well, on my own, I gotta do it. <laughs> oh, uh, I should be should be fine. I think. Yeah, he says Wednesday, should so we'll fine. do Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday's All good. Right. Um. 
yeah so we got that one question from matt in patreon about about Juan Soto. Juan Soto. i mean we are at the point of the year where like i'm not expecting news to break any minute now but also it could it could break any minute i mean the so winter like, meetings are happening we're into december now oh, some of these so big... i figured let's get to it before we just sit on it for one extra day and then he signs tonight and then it, or gets mm-hmm. traded tonight and then it's like eh. yeah it is an interesting question no for sure um in your notes here you've got george springer being moved is there an article i missed or what is this about this is jeff blair put out a tweet yesterday and it was here i'll actually read you the tweet hey speaking of jeff blair last time we had jeff blair on i mean i know he's a divisive uh face of baseball in toronto i like jeff blair i do too Uh, i love the blair and barker show and i know that Last time we had Blair on, he said that we could get Barker too. And then the season started and we had that small window and we had to reschedule or they rescheduled and then yes. the season started and we missed him. We need to get well, I, both I of them send, on this I, off season. I will send him but... a message as soon as we're done here. I That's on yeah, me. Yeah. I've completely You're good. You're followed good. up. <laughs> that's good. Um, okay. What was the tweet? So the tweet was something I've heard in the last week. Well, it's far from a priority. The Jays might try to get out from under George Springer's deal as part of their offseason work. He has an 18 no trade clause. Interesting. Very interesting. 34 years old, three years left on his contract, $22.5 million a year. So if they can, I mean, that's saving $75 million, but can you move a 34-year-old George Springer without eating a bunch of his contract? I or know. attaching a real prospect for somebody else to do it for you, right? Mm-hmm. There's always that stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, well, how was your weekend? You had a good weekend? Yeah, it was a good weekend, man. I was uh, doing comedy Wednesday through Saturday, and it's been uh, corporate season. So Saturday was like this Raymond James financial was the Christmas party I did in Edmonton. I was in uh, Eagle Sham, Alberta, which is about an hour from Grand Prairie on Friday. So drove you shouldn't have. So congrats. Apologies to all of our listeners in Eagle Sham, Alberta. Eagle Sham. Although I did... Uh, find some Jays fans there, wind up talking baseball and Shohei Otani and working myself into a complete frenzy uh, drunkenly on a Friday night. Nice. So we gained a few subscribers and then now we've just lost them. They tuned into this episode. They signed up for the Patreon and now they're canceling. Okay. Very good. (laughs) Sorry, Eagle Sham. Very good. Yeah. So I drove all the way from there to Edmonton, did the show, drove and the show was over at like 8.30, so I just drove home to Calgary. And How were the roads? I know it uh, woke up to snow this morning. Was it snowing on you last night for the drive? I fucking lost you. Is this fucking for real, Scott? Or are you just holding a face? What is this? <sighs> I can tolerate I... bad internet when you're on the road. I can't when you're at home and I'm at home. We don't have an excuse. Yeah, um, I don't know I just what's got the pop-up on, on my end that says internet connection unstable. So it might be me. I don't know. Might be you because I could hear you the whole time, but you had froze. But I don't Son know. Either well, way. You had froze and I couldn't hear you. So that's good. Okay. I'm sure this episode will go great. Oh, whatever. It's 
Just hello and welcome to MLB Mondays, everybody. Hey. Our Patreon exclusive. You know we appreciate you throwing us those four bucks a month. And for that, uh, we tip our hat to you. Thank you so much. Big show today. Uh, Shohei Otani. Listen, I'm going to uh, paint a little picture of a Toronto Blue Jays team. The little engine that could, if you will, back in the <laughs> late 80s, who just get into their brand new stadium. And then all of a sudden become the biggest budget team in all of baseball. So we'll talk that. We'll talk Juan Soto, Matt Finley. Uh, again, Patreon bump. You send us a message. You're going to get it read. So Matt sent us a message about Juan Soto. And like uh, Adam just explained, obviously, we'll tackle that now just in case. We're not expecting a Juan Soto trade in the next 24 hours, but play it safe. George Springer, we did just touch on that. We'll get it into it. The Contemporary Hall of Fame. We'll mention who made it, who didn't. Is Cito in? Braves Mariners. Holy crap, dude. Um, That trade, I just don't understand it. I don't understand what the Mariners are doing right now. I know that uh, the walk-off Mariners are our good friend, uh, Juan Forno and Jordy Bott run that side of the walk off. We just are they still making episodes? September they are still making episodes. Okay. Yes, and um, I was messaging with them this morning, and both of them are in a tizzy, if you will. They are not overly pleased with the direction the Mariners are going in. Really? I threw okay. out there, I'm like, maybe they're making room in the budget for Otani and both of them are like shut up just shut up <laughs> uh, yeah, so we will get... talk that Mariners trade um real question then are they doing audio only for their podcast because I checked them out like a week ago and the last mm-hmm. episode they had was like October unless they have yes. a new channel that I didn't see no, no, no. So um, Juan was saying they've been putting out audio. He needs, he does have a video editor now and is going to start releasing. I don't know. I don't okay. know. They're, they're, they're getting it together though. From what I've told, been told. Hey, you know what? I remember our first year of doing it. Uh, there were, still, there were bumps and bruises along Still the working yes. out the bumps and bruises. So I'm definitely, oh, I'm glad, glad they're still doing the, uh, I guess you're kicked out of Facebook. So I haven't, we haven't had a, a group chat with them in a long time. No, we so. haven't. Okay. Well, good. Glad they're still chugging along. Finally, we will touch on Jackson Churio, who is a top prospect with the Milwaukee Brewers, number third, uh, number three in all of baseball. And he just signed a deal that has never been done before in baseball. He has yet to play a game. The last time somebody did this, sign a guy to a contract before he even played a major league baseball game was the Chicago White Sox with Luis Robert. It is a hefty deal. So we'll break that down for you, get into what that means. And if there's any comparables in the Toronto Blue Jays system that we could see something like that happen in the future. So let's, uh, let's get into it here, buddy. Okay. We'll start with the uh, t-shirt you're wearing. So I, and you are in the same boat here. But we have done our best to temper our expectations. In fact, going into the offseason, both of us said zero to one percent that Shohei Otani 
is a Blue Jay. And then... All of a sudden, it seems like this is a legit possibility. And I, I mean, I'm not, I know, I know you're, you're I know same. you're okay. You go ahead. Not, I just, I'm so not ready to tie the word legit and possibility together. So, from going from zero to one percent, I think it's pretty safe to say 10 to 15 percent. Now, that's a heck of a lot more, buddy. I don't know. Like, you think there's a 10 I, to 15 percent chance that he, the, the Jays get him? Yeah, I really do. Really? Yeah, I think that's wow. where it's at at okay. this point. Yeah, that's, I think, where it's at at this point. Listen, let's go back to December of 1990. The Jesus. Toronto Blue Jays. The right. Toronto Blue Jays. Listen to my narrative, Adam. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays, 13 years into their inception, right? And okay. they've been one of the best teams in baseball for five years at that point. Never could get over the hump. Longtime Blue Jays fans will tell you that that period, mid 80s, going into 1990, they were dominant. They just couldn't find that next level. Uh, the team was now playing in the brand new Sky Dome, right? That had opened June of 1989. By the offseason going into 1991, they had been in the stadium for over a year and packing it out just because it's a brand new stadium. Up until this point, the team was spending money, but they weren't going crazy. In the offseason following the 1990 season, the ownership did something that they hadn't done yet. They became a top three payroll in all of baseball. December 5th, 1990, the Blue Jays traded Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez to San Diego for, of course, Robbie Alomar and Joe Carter. And we're all aware of what happened next, 1992. In 1993, they won a couple World Series. But not only that, they, in those years, were the top spending team in all of baseball. The corporate money was rolling in in those early 90 years. Listen to this, okay? The boxes, the luxury boxes, the luxury suites they had, 180 of them full. To start the 1994 season, 180 luxury suites were full and Full of corporate money. The start of the 1997 series, do you want to guess how many corporate boxes they had sold? How many are there? 180? 180. By 1997? Uh, 90. I'll say half. Seven. Oof. Seven? Seven. That's hilarious. And that just goes to show you, though, right? Toronto is a baseball town... Until the team sucks. Toronto a is, a, is a bandwagon city. Oh, Raptors got Kawhi Leonard. Let me go buy a jersey. Who's still watching Raptors games? Nobody. So this doesn't mean the Blue Jays are going to go out and get Shohei Otani right now. And that's not really what I'm saying. However, I do think there is a strong possibility that we are in a window in this ownership where they have gone to the front office and they have said, the reins are off. The shackles are off. Spend your face off for the next two years, which really does line up with a lot of these contracts and when things are expiring and when they lose control on some of these core players. We know well, we're all well aware that Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are free agents at the end of 2025. You look at Chris Bassett, his contract expires at the end of 2025. Both 
Gosman and Springer are done at the end of 2026. It is all lining up like we've got a two-year window here. The Blue Jays just spent $300 million on renovations to that Rogers Center. They are in line to most likely get the All-Star game in 2026. This is a time for this ownership group to see what can happen here. Shohei Otani, the amount of value he is going to give to Rogers as a corporation. Because think about this, Adam, right? You all of a sudden have exclusive rights to have Shohei Otani in all of your commercials. Double dip it. Not only are you're paying for him there with the the half a billion dollars you're giving, pay him again for the commercials and the 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 sponsorship and stuff like that, right? Because you're just it's like this is what Rogers has created with this Blue Jays team is a snake that eats its own tail. It's just one group handing money to another group that then like they're not they're, the money just stays within this wheel here. They own the broadcast company, they own the team, they own the media corporation. Like there's nothing like this in baseball. And I, I, again, I'm not saying that this is why they're going to get Shohei Otani, but Adam, this is why they're going to get Shohei Otani. Like. <laughs> Well, there you go. Too bad this isn't going on YouTube because you just wrote our title for the YouTube video. <laughs> this is why. This is why. Uh, man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up, but I could see the sales pitch that's made to ownership. Like when you put it like that to say, hey, if we go get Shohei Otani, give us $600 million to offer him. Let's just say the next highest bid is $500 million. Give us an extra $100 million to sweeten the pot and show him we're serious and blah, blah, blah. And then if, if they want to demonstrate by pointing back to 1990, it's like, hey, look, we'll sell out every game for the next two years. All of our corporate boxes all sold at... I get it. There is a plausible pitch to ownership to release the purse strings more than they already have been. I have another uh, angle here for you, Adam, okay. that I would only say on Patreon because obviously um, this doesn't need to be out in the public view in the public viewing world. But but everyone acts like Shohei Otani. Why would he ever leave America? Like there's some sort of deep love that the Japanese have for the American <laughs> culture and country itself, right? Like <laughs> maybe a little revenge for some great grandparents, right? Oh Go to Canada, God, win a couple God. World Series. Okay, okay. We'll reel All it right. in. My apologies. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you might have to cut that from Patreon. Yeesh. <laughs> really treading in some uh, <laughs> really radioactive waters. I don't know, man. Like... Even when you read up on the fact that the Blue Jays are in on this and MLB media around the league really frames this front office like they're a conservative front office. But man, I don't I don't view Shapiro and Atkins as a conservative front office. And 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 you can weigh in on this, but mm-hmm. I mean they have signed some big time free agents. Uh they've traded highly touted prospects, including multiple first rounders. Uh, they've moved on from beloved veterans because they weren't ideal fits. I mean, they might not be 
slinging their gun at their hip type of a front office, but I I don't think that they're overly cautious. No. Um, I guess the conservative feeling probably comes from the fact that we still haven't offered Bo or Vladdy big money. That has to be like the big factor in that opinion, right? Is that where the Atlanta Braves are handing out $100 million contracts to rookies, the Blue Jays are like, well, let's see how this goes. I don't know. Conservative does not quite feel like the right word for the Blue Jays. Gunslingers definitely doesn't feel like the right word either no. to describe them. No. Um, calculated, I think, is a more fitting word than conservative. I like that. Calculated is the word for them. I mean, in Springer's last full season with Houston, he had a 974 OPS. He was an all-star for a third straight year. I mean, when they went out and got Ryu, he was a Cy Young Award finalist that mm-hmm. year. So, like, I w- again, conservative is not the right word. Nope. Calculating is. And, you know, once they target a player, they go all in for him. Mm-hmm. And they have won that once, all in bed numerous times. So Once they decide Dalton Varsho's our guy, they push in all they of their chips. They push all in. All we of their blue chips prospects. <laughs> We, we've got our guy. What's it going to take? Name your price. So um, while we're talking wild and outside the box possibilities like Shohei Otani, let's get into Juan Soto because. Yeah, I think I think this one is more realistic than Shohei. Yes, I would agree. Um, Because Soto doesn't get a choice. This is on the Padres front office as to where Juan Soto goes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's up to. Oh, there are still other teams that are a factor, like the Yankees mm-hmm. have been tied to him. Obviously, he would make sense for the Yankees. Uh, let me just read this question here. So this is from Matt Finley in Patreon. Thank you, by the way, Matt. We're getting to you a day early, just in case. The gist of the question is: What assets would each of us, each of you? Uh, be willing to give up for Juan Soto. So I think I pose it to you as this. Um, You have a crystal ball. Maybe I didn't pose it to you like this. I put it in my notes as this. We have a crystal ball where we have Shohei Otani, Mm -hmm. but we lose either Bichette or Guerrero, right? Can't afford all three of those contracts. Or we get Juan Soto, keep him long-term, but lose Vlad or Bichette, or we keep Vlad and Bichette, but we don't get Shohei or Juan Soto. Do you have a preference in one of those three outcomes? I mean, I think the best players out of those four are Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. So you want the best players on your team, you can. And I absolutely love Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He has some deep roots in Canada, he's got that history of his dad playing in Montreal. He was born in the country of Canada. He had mega hype behind him. He had one of the most incredible seasons we've ever seen. Someone in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform have in 2021. Bo Bichette has been 
absolutely incredible with the amount of games he plays every year and how much he has shored up his defense. We already know he's an elite offensive talent. So yeah, it would really suck to lose those two. But I mean, if we're picking and choosing here, yeah, I take Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. You can't have even, both. You can't, you have, can't both. have both. You can't. Well, um, obviously, Shohei's which, number one. Okay, Shohei's number one. Uh, hot take. I would rather have Juan Soto than Shohei Otani. And that's fair. I can see that. Um, age being a big reason. Yep. Uh, Juan Soto, 25. Shohei Otani, I believe, is 30. 29. Coming up on 30. Oh, maybe he's 29. Double check age. You're 29 years old. He turns 30 in July. Um, Juan Soto just turned 25 40 days ago. Uh, injury history with Shohei Otani versus Juan Soto. I think uh, give me the 25 year old who's healthy over the 29 year old with two arm injuries. Tommy John surgery, yeah, yeah, um, and not his first arm injury either, right? Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you're gonna have to pay more. Shohei than one so like whatever the dollar figure is maybe it's 600 maybe it's 500 Juan Soto isn't getting that much money so I and I don't know that Shohei's ever going to pitch again like whatever the contract is that you got to give him you're gonna have to pay him as a hitter and a pitcher even though he may only ever be a hitter ever again so now you're paying 500 million for a DH Man, he's got to fucking hit 60 home runs a year for the next 10 years to pay off that contract. Ah, I don't care how much we can put him in a Subway commercial or a TD Bank commercial. That's a lot of money for a DH. Um, Whereas Juan Soto, age-wise, coming into his prime. Maybe I'm being naive here. I have literally zero doubts that Shohei's going to be back pitching and pitching well. I would say on a balance of probabilities, I think he probably does. Yeah. I don't think he pitches this year. And no. then I don't know. I, okay. If he signs a 10-year contract, because why wouldn't he? Or whatever, eight, nine, 10 years. Do I think he pitches for more? Do I think he pitches ever again? Yes. Almost certainly he pitches again. Maybe it's as a reliever. Maybe it's whatever. Do I think that he pitches as a starting pitcher for more than half of those seasons? I don't think so. I think it's unlikely. Now, one one aspect of this, Adam, is going to be the fact that Shohei's camp is definitely going to try to maximize the amount of dollars that they can get for Otani. This is going to include opt-outs. There's almost no way that this 10-year contract doesn't have a little asterisk next to one of these years earlier into the contract where he can Manny Machado it and go and re-up on a mega contract. Mm. In fact, maybe these front two years are front-loaded. And this is where the Blue Jays really do have an advantage if they truly <laughs> are looking at 2025, 2026, is maybe they need to rebuild at that point. So if you give Shohei Otani a hundred and... 60 million a year, $40 for the first million two years. Sure. for the first two years. And you yeah. give him an opt out. You might be able to actually, I know that's a ridiculous amount of money, but short term pay Shohei Otani 
mm-hmm. 50 million, 60 million over those two years. You're going to be selling Otani Blue Jay shirts for the end of time, even if he only plays for two That's years true. there. Um, having him yeah. as that possible, even number three or four starter in 2025. And then you still have the ability to come the trade line in 2025. If for some reason they're not in it, you can move Otani and Bo and Vlad. And I mean, this is a nightmare scenario, but you know, and then the worst case scenario in that, in that is that Shohei re-ups. And now you have the best baseball player in the world for the full term of the contract. Listen, I have done my best to not be this guy, man. And here I am. <laughs> here you are wearing his face all wearing over Wearing his shirt. face. You are definitely that guy. <laughs> uh, there's you've become that guy for sure. Um, okay, let's 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 focus on the, the question at hand now with Juan Soto. What would you give up for Juan Soto? Because obviously the other factor in the Juan Soto thing is that Shohei Otani you're in control of how long you have him. Juan Soto is potentially a one-year rental. So what are you willing to give up for one-year rental? I mean, there are ways around that. There are ways to be like, hey, if you give us a window to negotiate an extension with Juan Soto, you know, between us and the the Padres, you can work out those de- those deals too, right? Where it's like, we'll give you an extra prospect if we can sign him long-term before the trade, right? Like that's, you can you can make that kind of conditional stuff. So that said, mm-hmm. 0% chance of that happening. There's no way Juan Soto turns down a $360 million deal with the Washington Nationals before he was traded to the Padres to just then re-up one year out from free agency there's just absolutely like a zero percent chance zero so if the blue jays were to make this move in my opinion it's going to number one need to be a haul and then you're hoping that you can woo him over the next year and show him the values of the toronto market the toronto fan base what he can put up for numbers in the rogers center as a left-handed hitter I think that there is going to be a year-long sales pitch if this is a route the Blue Jays decide to go. Now, as for the package, we all know the Padres need pitching. This is what they're after because they are losing a bunch of their pitching to free agency, and they don't wish to re-up for money. So I think you start with Alec Manoa. This is a high upside guy who had Mm -hmm. Cy Young um, votes in 2022, finishing third in the American League. We know his fall from grace in 2023. If the Blue Jays can spin it as their mistake, they overworked him in 2022, which I think that is a big part of what happened here, right? Is that arm fatigue set in. We talked about the 110 innings in 2021 and how much it increased in 2022 all the way to 200 innings with the wild card game. We've said this many times, right? And the only way to fix a fatigued arm is to shut it down so the possibilities of Manoa coming back and just being much better off we all know that Manoa has that Marcus Stroman chip on his shoulder and he's probably going to be out to prove people wrong so I think that there is some real saleability there when it comes to 
um, other teams and other markets. Can I jump in on Alec Manoa and give my thoughts on this before you add add the next piece? Yeah. I think Alec Manoa, as far as trade value goes, whatever it is, I don't think there's any creative sales pitch attached that can move the needle Mm -hmm. on what his trade value is. I think if you're the Padres or the Mariners or the Diamondbacks or whoever, you either believe in the upside of Alec Manoa and think you can fix it or you don't like, I don't think there's anything that Jays can say over the phone to be like, to like try and encourage a team to buy in that Alec Manoa could be like, it's no, it's an upside guy who has done it before. And you either think that last year was the aberration or or not. So that's my opinion on, on, on attaching that piece to the trade is if someone buys in on Alec Manoa and think, oh yeah, we can we can get a, a real buy low on a Cy Young candidate here for the mm-hmm. next what and, and he's pre-arbitration and we can have him for free, like sure, I think, but I don't think there's anything Ross Atkins can do to try and convince yeah another GM of hey, look at the silver lining here. I don't I don't think that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Alec Manoa, yes. If the other team is interested, is definitely a piece I'm willing to give up. So Alec Manoa, then you're probably going to need a high-end pitching prospect. So Brandon Barria, I know that he has lost some of his luster from last year. However, he is still in the Blue Jays' top five prospects. You're also going to need uh, a couple pitchers that are probably closer to the major leagues. Hayden Younger is a guy that I think you could see being added into a trade like this. A guy who has started throughout AAA. Um, he's got a live arm. He's close to the bigs. Someone like Chad Dallas, I think, is another dude you could see in this mix. Chad Dallas, cheese, friend of the show, uh, won the Blue Jays' top pitcher in the minor leagues this year, having a standout year in A and AA. He is probably slotted to join AAA next year. He's 22 years old. And then you need another top prospect in there. So probably a Rolvis Martinez. This is a, a group of guys I've put together without adding Ricky Tiedemann, which I think will be the Blue Jays' number one priority when it comes to a move like this. So let's say the Jays get Juan Soto. They eat Trent Grisham's money. And now they have their fourth outfielder there and a very, very good defensive fielder, center, left, right, plays all three of them. In return, the Jays would give up Brandon Barriera, Chad Dallas, Adam Mako, probably throw him in there, Alec Manoa, Hayden Junger, and Aralvis Martinez. Again, that's a massive haul. The Blue Jays are giving up a lot of their top prospects in that scenario, and you get one year of Juan Soto. I'm going a different approach. Okay. Um, I want Juan Soto. It's conditional on a contract extension before the trade happens. Not interested in a trade at all. If it's for one year of a rental, no thanks. I'm out. Completely out. Like that's my so if I'd rather overpay and add like whatever your trade package was. If if they say, okay, sure, you can have Juan Soto for one year with that, I'd rather say, okay, you can have all that. We'll also give you Ricky Tiedemann conditional on we get to sign him to an extension before the trade. We can't sign him to extension. No trade happens. But 
if we can sign him to a $400 million 15-year contract, you can have Ricky Tiedemann too. Um, now, as far as your players go, uh, Alec Manoa, I think, yeah, makes sense for a thousand reasons. Um, I think I would also look at taking a guy like uh, eat more dead money from them. Like, so if whichever of their big contracts they also want to shed, whether it's a U Darvish or whoever, yeah, give me his 15 million at 37 years old or whatever, we'll overpay. And I, I, I think if I'm getting Juan Soto, I'd rather give up either Bo or Vlad to reduce the amount of prospects we have to give up. So if, if we could give Bo Bichette and not have to give Ricky Tiedemann and everything else in the deal stayed the same, I'd rather do that only because, and Bo and Vlad are interchangeable names in this package for me. Um, only because if I've signed Juan Soto to a $400 million contract, I can't sign Bo and Vlad to $300 million deals as well. So I know that part of that, if we're getting Juan Soto, means one of the other guys goes. So might as well get rid of him now and then hold on to Ricky. So for me, that's that's where my package kind of is. That's fair. I feel almost the opposite of that. I say yeah. you hang on to Ricky Tiedemann no matter what. You deal with the fact this is a rental. And if you can't sign Juan Soto in free agency next year, uh, maybe it's time to strip it down as, as much as I don't want to say that, dude. But if you are one year away from free agency as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, bloodlines dads who know how the business work you're going to free agency there's just no way they're not going to free agency at this point in my mind maybe the jays can get something done you never know but i don't even know if the front office is views them as 10 year 300 million dollar guys and someone will there is there is someone in baseball who will view those two as that especially if vladdy rebounds this year well, I think we had this question on last mailbag, but the idea of like, even if Laddy has a rebound year this year, I think it was uh, Johnny asked, you still wait, right? Like wait a second year because having two good years back to back doesn't really increase his price. And I that's why I'm like, oh, he's going to free agency. Like I just don't. This off season is this is the season to sign either of them to whatever the the big term contract is right. And I just, there's no way you can give Laddie the full value that he evaluates himself at after what we've seen from him last season. And even the year before, right. This may He's be two seasons the... removed from his great, great season in 2021 mm-hmm. where it's been on the decline. So I just, there's no way you can give him the full value that he sees so he's got to redo it this year. And then, yeah, if he goes good, now he's a year away from free agency. Uh, and I just don't, I do think that Bulba Shat we could sign. I think that we have to give him a lot of money though. I think yeah. he's going to be a $300 million guy. I, I mean, you can argue over whether or not he's worth it, but like worth is. If Xander Bogarts is worth it, Bulba right? is worth it. 
that's what I mean, right? Like worth is so relative to the circumstances in which you find yourself, right? Like we've done this before, but like you look at the other shortstops available that free agency season and there's like, he's the only guy, right? We're talking about Matt Chapman getting $150 million. Matt Chapman, who couldn't hit himself out of a wet paper bag, Matt Chapman is going to be $150 million because there's no one else. Yeah, Guys are like, there's teams that are like, we need a third baseman. He's the best one available by a mile. All right, it's going to cost this much. Now, is Matt Chapman worth $150 million? Well, yes and no. No, but given the circumstances he's found himself in, yeah. Is Brandon Nemo a $100 million outfielder? No, but he was the year he was a free agent, and that's all that matters. And that's where Boba $60 million, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Even yeah. more proves my point, right? Um, but Boba Shett is in the same boat with like the shortstop class is going to be so thin in 2025 and all like he's got so many other shortstops to point to that he's going to have better numbers than who are already $300 million guy or like 250 to three. Like it's going to, there's going to be and a bidding war for Boba Shett. So we've got to pay him. Where overpay him now or yeah we're gonna lose both of them and then like you said it's gonna be a rebuild and that's gonna fucking suck this calculated front office yeah i worry a little bit if they will buck up for him and this is why i think it's probably more likely they literally are pushing their chips in for this year i think it's why the rumors of all these big free agents are circling because They are literally trying to do something massive. They want to fill the Rogers Center for these next two years. They've just done all these renovations. And whether it's the right play or not, I don't know. Um, But there are a lot of expiring contracts and guys leaving at the end of 2025 and 2026. Like You start looking at all their mega contracts and stuff like that. And for the most part, that's where it is. Even Jose Barrios, if they start trading guys off, he's got that opt-out. Mm-hmm. Now, I know his contract is back-loaded, so it would need to depend on how good Barrios is over the next two years, but he truly could opt-out, which is wild. All right, um, should we talk George Springer here while we're doing this? Yes, but I want to ask you this question leading into this George Springer, because the whole George Springer topic is him departing, right? So in 2026, I'm looking at the Blue Jays' uh, salary payroll by year uh, for the next five years. This is 2024, 2025, 26, 27, and 28. Uh, Beyond 2025, George Springer, Gossman, and Barrios, if you don't include the opt-out, are the only ones committed for 2026. And then nobody is here beyond 2027 other than like Zach Pop and Alec Manoa who are in their third year of arbitration. Everybody else is a UFA um, in 2026. So here's my question. We did over-unders on Boba Shett. No, on uh, Kevin Biggio and David Schneider for next season. I I don't even want to have this conversation, but I'm going to. Blue Jays win total for the 2026 season 
over under 81 games. Ooh. Are we a 500 team in 2026? Looking at the landscape of this team right now and the way that everything has been set up and all the contracts have been lined up, I'd say under. There you go. For the 70 people in Patreon, what do you think of that? I'll put a poll up on Patreon today. We'll see uh, how everybody votes. I'm kind of with you. That said... Get ready for a wild couple years because I truly do believe they're going to go for it. Like they're going to spend money. They're going to. Yeah. But uh, the end is nigh. (laughs) Be a lot of a lot of casual podcasts folding up in uh, 2026, if that's the case. So that's right. George Springer. Face of the franchise. Let's get into into George Springer then. $77 $77 million remaining on his contract. He is owed $22.5 million uh, over the, sorry, $67 million remaining on his, do the math, Scott, uh, $67 million remaining on his contract. He is in the final three years of a six-year mega deal, $150 million contract, the biggest contract in Toronto Blue Jays history. And that still stands to be the case here. However, the fact that Jeff Blair is reporting that he has heard that the Blue Jays would be into getting out from under this contract if there's the opportunity that arises, it is interesting. Now, George Springer, if you look at his numbers last year, Adam will pull those up right now while I'm jabbering away, but he had one of the worst seasons that he has had as a Major League Baseball player since basically breaking into the league. He had an incredible season in his final year with the Houston Astros and just hasn't really gotten close to that since being a Blue Jay. He put up incredible numbers in 2021. He just only played half the year. In fact, under that, I think he came in at like 77 games or something like that. In 2022, 78. 78. In 2022, he also had decent numbers, but also missed a chunk of time. And that was when the Blue Jays decided that they really had to get him out of center field, put him in a position where it's less wear and tear in his body, so right field, and where he can see more at bats, get to the plate more. And that was a success in 2023. What wasn't a success were his numbers. Yeah, so... Speaking of more at-bats, it was the second most at-bats he's had in his career. In 2016, as a 26-year-old with the Astros, he played 162 games, and he led the major leagues with 744 plate appearances as the leadoff man for the Astros. Um, This season, 154 games, 683 plate appearances. That's 100 plate appearances more than the season before. And yeah, other than that 2016 season, the most he's ever had. Uh, So yeah, in that regard, it was a success. I was optimistic with him moving to right field and him Mm -hmm. in the lineup all the time. I thought, this is great. Uh, I'm really concerned about this. The OPS uh, lowest of his career 
um, OPS plus of 102 this past season. So technically above average, but very pedestrian. Uh, the previous seasons, 132, 141, 141, 150, 141, 125, 129. So offensively, the worst production he's ever seen. At 34. At 34 years old. Um, other than the COVID season, um, even in accounting for games played this was the fewest home runs that he had hit uh since 2015 so the home run per, like the power in his swing just isn't there anymore i don't know how else to say it nicely mm-hmm. um 2019 with the astros 39 home runs in 122 games that's like a 60 home run pace That Adam, was the. This is where. That was the well, George Springer that I thought we were getting. Yeah. But I mean, that was also yeah. prime trash can banging. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh. All of this being said. Sixty-seven million dollars. It might be a tough sell to move George Springer in this offseason, unless you do what Adam suggested at the top of the show and, and tack on a prospect, which would, okay, here's a question. Would you again, or take on another bad contract coming back the other way? <laughs> I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to trade your problem for my problem. Um, Dance with the devil, you know, right? Um, <laughs> Would you, What seventy ish million dollars over three years? So that's between twenty and twenty five million a year that you're freeing up that you could then go give to whoever, right? Because it's let's call all of these Shohei Otani. All of these hypotheticals <laughs> for me are with the understanding that that is money to be spent. It is not, um. Salary dumping to save money. It is salary dumping to reallocate somewhere else. So if I'm not even going to play out the hypothetical as, oh, the Blue Jays just want to save 25 million on their, on their books this year. That's not it. It is take Mm -hmm. it off so that we can go put it somewhere else, get Josh Hader or whatever the case is. Right. We can argue about where we want to spend that money, but it is being spent with, you know, throughout this hypothetical. Would you attach, like, would you trade George Springer for a a low-level guy, let's just say, that doesn't get your heart racing? Let's say it's not a contributor to the 26-man roster. Uh fifth round draft pick who's in single a right now for another just something like that yeah. something that's not going to help the team out um not a highly touted guy who's just too young He's not a 19 year old superstar literally just a whatever would you give away george springer if you had to attach 
like Alec Manoa as the, hey, take $70 million off our payroll. We'll also give you Alec Manoa if you do that for us. Would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would. Probably. And I think that's yeah. a... That's a scary testament Listen, to the value of both dude, of those guys and how much they've they've fallen in the last twelve months. The next the next two to three months is going to be some of the, the most interesting maneuvering we've seen in this front office since they've come into term in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. I really do think we're going to see some wild, wild shit, and I don't know what that's going to wind up being. I think Plan A is obviously Soto and Otani. But we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that they're realistic about their shots of getting these guys and obviously Mm -hmm. have backup plans and trades in place. And they're checking in on other, I guarantee they're checking in on other top guys. If they're after Juan Soto and are prepared to give up the, the haul to get Soto, there's Mm -hmm. no way they're not circling back on Cleveland. And I don't want to go through the J Ram shit again, but you know what? Like there's no way they're not checking in on some of these other guys, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's just no way way so it's going to be really really fun over the next two months here to see what direction the toronto blue jays are heading in yeah yeah sure is sure is um so if you are done with the soto and the springer and jays talk here let's let's turn our attention to a really interesting thing that just happened with the milwaukee brewers in jackson churio the number three prospect in all of baseball right now. So this is from Jeff Passan, top prospect Jackson Chorizo's deal with the Milwaukee Brewers will be official today. It will guarantee eight years and $82 million with two club options that can max value at $142.5 million. 19 years old is the age of Churio. So big risk here, big risk on both sides. And this was a really interesting tweet, uh, breaking this down. So behind the numbers, this is Juan Soto versus Churio in a comparison. So Juan Soto will be playing his final season before free agency this year, 2024 to date. Juan Soto has earned more than $49 million on the field with a projected 2024 salary north of $25 million. Said another way, Soto will hit free agency at the age of 25, having earned roughly $75 million and will likely get $300 plus million in his contract year. Chirillo's new deal will pay him $82 million over eight years. So this will take him through to the age of 28. In addition, the team holds two team options that could take them all the way to 30 years old. Now, it is reported with options and potential performance escalators, the deal could reach a total value of $140 million. Soto is on pace to earn more than $225 million through his age 30 season. Again, no guarantee uh, outside of this one-year arbitration deal what Soto actually gets, but he's going to get a haul. Trio is on pace to earn a maximum of $140 million through his age 30 season. There are 82 million guaranteed until the opt-outs are the uh, team options, I should say. So again, very high risk, high reward 
on both ends of the spectrum here, right? Chirio could be leaving a lot of money on the table, but he's also getting $82 million. That's generational wealth. That is setting Mm -hmm. his family up for literally his kids, his grandkids, like probably his great grandkids, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. there is a lot of security there and you can still make a pile of money at $30 million, but man, things can go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need to get into the Wander Franco of it all, but like things can go wrong. There can be unforeseen things that could really wind up handcuffing a small market team in the Milwaukee Brewers who are trying to find creative ways to keep their superstars. And you know what? Tip of the hat to them for doing that. I do love that. But it did make me start to think, I mean, just look at the $225 million Juan Soto is going to earn up until age 30 compared to the 140 that Chirio will earn. That is, I mean, dude, mega money, $85 million. Like, that is wild. So it did make me think, who on the Blue Jays would this be a comparison with? Like, is is there a prospect? And Ricky Tiedemann is probably the closest thing. So I'm going to throw this question out to you and to everyone in the Patreon. Feel free to chime in here. So the question is, would you be on board with the Blue Jays giving Ricky T an eight-year, $60 million deal, 7.5 AAV, with two club options for $20 million each? So taking him till age 30, it'd be $100 million. Now, Ricky Tiedemann, uh, 3.68 ERA. A 1.68 FIP. This is over his age 2021 year season last year. Won the Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Year. Hitter slashed 199 with a 303 on base and a 237 slug. He was dominant. Or do you need to see more out of Ricky Tiedemann? And do you even think that philosophically, something like this even lines up with the way this front office does business. My only injuries are so weird. Here's my only thing with, I mean, and there's probably more risk of injury with a pitcher than a position player. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. And I, and the guy can become injury prone at any point in his career. I recognize that. So, uh, just because a guy hasn't had any injuries doesn't mean that he can't start having injuries. I recognize that. But I would still say, give me the guy that currently doesn't have uh, an injury track record. And Ricky Tiedemann has already been missing time uh, with like bicep inflammation and just other like weird mm-hmm. stuff. For every... Gary Gossman, there is a Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where on that spectrum Ricky Tiedemann falls yet. So I don't think anyone does. No, 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 for sure. And and therein lies the rub, right? The risk versus reward. Do you give a guy the early contract, the guaranteed money, hope that it works out? I mean, if we had done that with Nate Pearson, we'd be fucking furious right now. Oh, man, that would be hard to take. Right. Four years ago, we felt the same way about Nate Pearson that we do right now about Ricky Tiedemann. 
hundred percent. I mean, we have talked about this before. Major mm-hmm. League MLB TV was doing interviews with Nate Pearson about what it will be like when he's in the Hall of Fame. Literally. Right. Like, <laughs> so when you factor that into the equation, it does make me nervous. Now, those specific numbers you pointed out, 60-ish million over eight years plus two club options for 20 mil. I mean, when we look at this uh, Jackson Trio uh, contract, eight years, 82 million, essentially what this is, is we're buying out all of your Arbiers. Arbiers, your pre-arb and your Arbiers, right? Uh, When you look at Vlad Jr., he is going to have eight years of team control in the end before he reaches free agency. Um, he's currently earned $27.5 million. Now, over the next three seasons, if he makes $18 million each of those years in ARB, he'll get $82 million over the first eight years of his career as well. That's how it's going to work out. So, really, you're just saying to Trio, we will give you the money that you would earn if everything goes perfectly for you, if you are a MVP candidate, at least once in the first eight years of your career, you're going to earn 82 ish million dollars. If you don't, you're going to earn a lot less, but we'll give you that with the condition of, we have two club options at a reasonable rate that takes you to age 30. Now he'll still, if all goes right, become a free agent on the right side of 30 would still be in the age category where he could get a nine-figure contract if he is that kind of guy. It feels like, I don't know if the, the Brewers in this case are getting enough on their end for assuming so much of the risk. That's my opinion on this Brewers contract in specific. I feel like if you're got, if you're going to buy out an unproven prospects Arbiers, because again, for every Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., there's a Jared Kalenic who would have loved we'll $82 million yes. and is never going to get a sniff of that. Yeah. Not in the first eight years of his life or of his MLB career. Um, Jared Kalenic was a number one prospect in baseball three years ago. Um, no longer with the Mariners. And we'll get to that in a second. So I don't know. For me, it feels like for Chirio, it's a great deal. He's All he's giving up is pushing his free agency from age 28 to age 30, which still isn't bad, right? Mm-hmm. And he's get guaranteeing, like you said, generational, life-changing wealth. I feel I just feel like from an organizational standpoint, I would only want to do that if we're getting more than two years of a discount, if he turns out. Yeah. Right. Like if they don't pick up the club option, that's a sign that the $82 million was a huge waste. It's a rate. It's a risky endeavor. It's a really risky endeavor. And it is impressive that a small market team like the Milwaukee Brewers are rolling the dice on. They're trying. I got to give them credit for trying value here too. There could be some huge value. If he does pan out, like, Obviously, those last few years of ARB would be, I mean, Juan Soto is going to make $30 million this year on his final year of arbitration. Yeah. So 
yeah, there is money to be saved if it pans out. But my God, if it if if it doesn't pan out, like who? <laughs> yeah, so but even talk- even career oh, earnings for Juan Soto through his first eight years is still going to be barely over eighty two. So like it's not real. Like it's going to save money in year eight but you're just overpaying in years one through six in order to mm-hmm. save in year eight. So I don't, I don't think it's really savings considering all the risk that the team is assuming in that, in that scenario. Well, I think Adam, before we move on to this Braves Mariners trade, the Toronto Blue Jays front office, this is not mm-hmm. their MO, right? Like Correct. this isn't their philosophy at all. They will wait it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Like, not like this calculated. With Ricky Jeeman, what, what, what would you put the percentage chance of? Zero uh, better chances we have Shohei Otani. Love to hear it. There you, <laughs> there you go. Okay, so the trade market is starting to move a little bit. We did watch the Atlanta Braves and the Seattle Mariners complete a deal just last night. The Atlanta Braves and Mariners are in agreement on a trade that will send outfielder Jared Kelenic, left-hander Marco Gonzalez, and first baseman Evan White to the Braves in exchange for right-hander Cole Phillips and Jackson Coar. The Braves Mariners deal was, I mean, I went over this so many times, dude. I was looking up the numbers. I was just like, what are the Mariners doing? This is just straight up a salary dump. There is no way that this is not a salary dump. Atlanta takes on the salaries of White and Gonzalez and gets Kellenic, whose upside remains tantalizing. Phillips is a prospect. Um, and a second round pick from 2022 with some upside Kawar, kind of a middling reliever. Uh, he was a first rounder in 2018, but if you look at Kawar's numbers, yeah, he's six foot five, 27 years old, has a live arm, was a first round pick, but he's a reliever with a six ERA. Yeah. Now, I don't want to step on your toes here and take your cake analogy. Obviously, the Mariners are baking, right? They're cooking right now. Something's going on. So we don't want to completely judge this as an isolated trade while they're in the middle of their offseason. But my God, this really does feel like it is just straight up dumping money. Marcos... Gonzalez is owed $12.25 million in 2023. First baseman Evan White is owed $7 million in 2023 and $8 million in 2024 with a $2 million buyout after that. Kellenic, who isn't eligible for arbitration until 2025, will earn close to the league minimum. So Kellenic was in it more to, honestly, it seems like sweeten the deal to get them to take on Gonzalez and White. He was the Alec Manoa of their George Springer salary dump. <laughs> Truthfully. Um, okay, so yeah. Um, who won this trade? Because, I mean, yeah, there's no way to argue that this isn't a salary dump. But back to the George Springer salary dump for the sake of salary dump versus salary dump so that we could spend that money somewhere better. That's still a possibility for the Mariners. I know you joked about, oh, this means this is cleared up money for Shohei. Like, Okay, no, but it could be clearing up money for something. And I mean, they did move on from Eugenio Suarez, moving him to the Diamondbacks for what also felt like nothing. Kalenic was a 
top prospect in baseball, struggled making the adjustment to major league pitching. At 181, his first season as a rookie in 2022, he hit 141, got sent back down to uh, AAA. Last season, uh, a bit of a rebound year, started to show signs that maybe he could do it, but still finished the season with a, a 253 batting average. Underwhelming for a guy that was there. Not necessarily their Vlad, but like their guy that they were looking forward to as the future of their team. Like him and J-Rod were their dynamic duo in the minor leagues that they had to look forward to, I think. Um, And he very much underachieved. So I don't know if you can entirely hang the term bust on him yet, but he's sure close to looking like that. Um, Evan White, that they're getting rid of, 27-year-old. He has like First 80 baseman. games in he's... the majors. He can't hit. He's, yeah, this is getting rid of money. This is not a, a contributing player to their team. Uh, Marco so Marco Gonzalez. Gonzalez does add some starting depth to this mayor or to this Braves team. I think that it was a good addition in that case. Um, his money is probably worth the money and the Braves have it to spend. Obviously, Matt Olson at first base, he's going nowhere. 50 plus home run guy. Obviously, Evan White's not knocking him off, but it does give some depth within the organization to have a guy who can play first base. And it's a team of a, or it is a case of a big payroll team that can afford to eat money doing so. Um, with the risk, with the chance of, with the chance Kellenic. of Kalenic turns into something. And yeah. this is why we hate teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and whatever. And the, the Braves are right in there in that category now where they can afford to just set $20 million on fire this year yeah. and maybe have a superstar outfielder for almost brilliant. free for the next five years. Um, in, in return, Mariners, like you said, getting uh, Jackson Cower. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, he is does not get me excited at all. Career numbers are bad. A whip of 1.92 and an ERA of 6.4 last year. The career numbers even worse than that, believe it or not. Uh, Cole Phillips, however, 19 years old, throws high 90s, does touch 100 with movement on his fastball. So for a 19-year-old to have that kind of arm, that's a good asset to get back if you're the Mariners and you're like, Getting a guy with high upside in a salary dump move, like I don't hate it for either team. I don't. And this is where, if you're the Atlanta Braves too, you're looking at this deal and you're looking at who you're bringing in and you're giving up a prospect that is probably three to four years away from truly contributing to any sort of elite level at the major leagues. So in return, you're getting a guy who's going to help you in, in Marco Gonzalez right now. He's going to help you mm-hmm. right. Maybe a fifth starter sure. for a season. Fifth, yeah. sixth starter. Uh, Jared, Jared Kellenick, he is going to help you right now, right? Like is, is Kellenick going to come into form? Time will tell, but mm-hmm. he does give you that fourth outfielder. He does give you some really high upside in that position. And he does give you a guy who let's face it. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have something to prove. The Mariners just gave up on him. Literally. Look at the return. Like, if you're Jared Kellenick, you're like, 
Fuck the Mariners. Yeah. Uh, according to fan graphs, depth chart for the Braves looks like this. Right field, Ronald Acuna Jr. Center field, Michael Harris Jr. Uh, left field, Jared Kalenic. Yeah. Uh, He's going to get playing time. He's going to get the chance to get right. And you know what? Sometimes a change of scenery does make a big deal for a guy like that. He's going yep. to not have all that pressure to reach his hype like he did in Seattle. Right. It's like it's like if the Jays were to move on from Vladdy, we could very well see Vladdy become David Ortiz, mm -hmm. just not having that pressure on him and going to a different market that didn't have the same hype and upbringing with him. So, well, I, all the best to Jared Kelenic. I, I hope he does succeed. That said, I hope he doesn't succeed that much. Like the Braves are already really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's end on this. We're already long in the tooth here, Adam. So we'll end mm -hmm. on the Contemporary Hall of Fame. I mean, honestly, who gives a fuck about the Hall of Fame? It's a bit of a joke as it is. But, uh, I mean, it, it it is a really high honor to get in there. And it is very cool to see a guy like Cito Gaston, who led the Toronto Blue Jays to their two World Series rings and was the first black manager to get a ring from the World Series. So, you know, some very historic, stuff there so how did it turn out here so contemporary baseball era managers executives umpires was the ballot uh that was voted on yesterday so there's 16 voters you need 75 percent uh yeses in order to be elected so you need 12 yes votes uh we'll just cut right to it cedo gaston did not receive enough yes votes so he did not did not get uh shrine or does not get uh elevated to that uh selection of the managers and executives umpires uh jim leland was the only one uh that did get the nod so jim leland successful with 15 votes that's 93.8 percent uh lou Pinella, 11 votes so he fell just short uh, Bill White, 10 votes. Uh, Cito Gaston, Davey Johnson, Ed Montague, Hank Peters, and umpire Joe West uh, each received less than five votes. So I didn't see exactly how many numbers Cito got, but it was less than 25%, and he needed more than 75. So, so now Cito and the greatest home run hitter to ever play the game are both... Uh... Barry Bonds and Cito can sit around and talk about how uh, they're not in the Hall of Fame. You're going to say Carlos <laughs> Delgado. Um, I mean, Carlos should be there too. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. let's. Uh, I just want to quickly look at the managerial resumes uh, of three of these guys. So Lou Pinella didn't get in. Jim Leland did get in. Cito Gaston didn't get in. So Lou Pinella... One World Series, one pennant, three times manager of the year winner. Okay. Uh, right. Jim Leland, very similar. Uh, one World Series, three pennants, and also three times manager of the year. So same as Lupinella, but also has three pennants. Um, games played, or like played, games managed. Uh, Lupinella, 3,548. Jim Leland, 34.99. So 50 games less than Lou Pinella, but got in. Uh, win percentage as a manager, 
506 for Jim Leland, so slightly above 500. Lou Pinella, 517. So Lou Pinella didn't get the votes uh, despite a better winning percentage and similar games played. Here's where this is ma- this matters to me. Cito Gaston, remember, Lou Pinella, Jim Leland each had around 3,500 games managed. Cito Gaston, 1,700. Right. Half as many games. Uh, win percentage, 516. So very similar to Lou Pinello, 517. Uh, Cito Gaston, however, zero manager of the year awards. Does, however, have two pennants and does have more World Series rings. Mm-hmm. Two World Series rings. So for me, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, Cito's got him beat on World Series rings. The win percentage is there. The longevity isn't there. Yeah, and I think that's what hurt him. When when we first saw that he was up for the vote, that was one of the things that stood out to me is not a lot of managers in the hall with less than 2,000 games managed. Yeah, It is a 3,000-plus club. Mm-hmm. So he, it was a big ask for him to get the votes. The two World Series rings were the really the thing he was hanging his hat on. Uh, on the resume and rightfully so those are major accomplishment um but no manager of the year awards which i mean you can argue about the validity of of that i mean i I, was he runner-up five times and just never got like you know it's kind of a crapshoot in that regard but but the big one i think is just the shorter career uh, with 1700 games managed so there you go cedo didn't get it all right, everybody, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so very much for joining Patreon, for being a part of the community here. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we, we will see you tomorrow for Mailbag. Obviously, hey. we do give the Patreon bump, so get your questions in. Before we get out of here, by the way, uh, my top 10 TV moms I'd be so good to. Yes. Uh, I recorded and can't find the footage now so i'm gonna have to re-record it today and i'll get Hilarious. it uploaded this week um and then we do have the christmas top 10 uh looks like the votes are in on patreon and it is top 10 christmas movies is what i'll be doing so perfect there you go okay love it thanks so much everybody take care of yourselves we'll see you tomorrow cheers cheers Thanks for listening to the Walk-Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.